1: So this is the first part of the Festival of Lights, with the lighting of the, of the candelabras. Now the second part of the Festival of Lights was called the great was the great pouring out of water. It was a pouring out of water. This pouring out of water was done on the last day of the Festival of Lights, when there was a tremendous amount of water that was poured out, and it ran down through the streets of Jerusalem. Now, the reason for this pouring out of the water was to symbolize how God abundantly provides for his people. Like in the wilderness, when the water gushed out of the rock to to give the people some water because they were thirsty. And it was at that time when the Lord Jesus spoke the words of John 7.37. In John 7.37, on the last day, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, or he that believeth into me, as the scripture hath said, Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this speaking of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost is not yet given. So just imagine, just put yourself in Jerusalem at that time. Just put yourself there. You, I, we're there at that time. The water is being poured out. It's running through the streets of Jerusalem. And right as that, we're looking at this great sight of this water pouring out. He speaks If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now, if you and I were there, and if you and I were there, and we sensed within ourselves a great feeling of, of deep, uh, deep inside of us of emptiness. We felt, we felt empty inside. We felt like there's something more in life, and we don't have it. We look at that water, and we think to ourselves, I wish there could be a great amount of clean water to quench this awful thirst in my soul. And, and, and just as we're thinking that, the Lord cries out in John seven thirty-seven: If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And when you and I hear that, if any man thirst," it strikes a chord in us, a chord in us, and we would think... Am I hearing what I think I'm hearing? Is there really a person who's calling out to me with the call of "If any man thirst," I don't know about anybody else. I don't know about anybody else. I don't know about everyone else, but I know that I'm thirsty in my soul. So sign me up. That's what we think. And then imagine that that we we, we hear this promise of being you're going to be so quenched inside that that it, you're going to actually be able to give water to other thirsty souls. And, and you know when I when I was a when I was a young teenager. I felt this great emptiness inside, a void in my heart. Something I needed, I don't know what it was, something was missing in my life. And outwardly, we had everything. We had everything, but I just felt empty inside. And and, and so I went to my dad, and I I said, Dad, I'm not satisfied in life. You know, in know, young teen life, but I did anyway. I feel so empty inside. I'm just not happy inside. So my dad, he sits me down, and he says to me, all right, at me. He says, look at me and look at my life. I'm a Beverly Hills doctor. We live in a house in Bel Air. I can do what I want. I can buy what I want. Just become like me. Study hard at school. Become a doctor like me. Make money like me and that'll make you happy and that'll solve all your problems of feeling sad and not feeling satisfied in life and, and, and that's the end. Well, that was my dad's promise for how to deal with soul emptiness, with soul thirstiness, thirstiness inside. So I went, af- I went away from that meeting with my dad and I-, and I knew that making money was not gonna fill the emptiness in my life because, okay, I didn't make the money, but I spent the money, so what difference And you know, and-, and I knew that was the money wasn't the answer. And so it- 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 if you were like me and you were in Jerusalem during this great event of the pouring out of water during the festival of lights, and you heard the Lord Jesus say, John 37, 37 if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You, you, you would hear that the Lord Jesus is not talking about becoming a successful doctor, he's not talking about making a lot of money. You know, it reminds me of a lost friend of mine this, this on Friday, last Friday. He said to me that he was so excited. And, and he was so excited with his job and he woke up at five in the morning and just so excited, he just started working and he, he was so happy doing his job. You know, and, 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 my, and I could tell my friend is trying to get from, uh, out of life satisfaction from his job. And, and I knew that as he explained all this all to me, his smile on his face, that, that he wants me to affirm him by saying, that's great. You found a work that really makes you so happy and satisfies you, good for you. But I didn't say that. I didn't say that because I know that true soul satisfaction is not found in work. It's not found in a job. It's not found in money. It's not found in anything else this world has to offer. True soul satisfaction is found in this promise that the Lord Jesus said during the pouring out of water at the Festival of Lights in John John 737. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And this is what happened during these two events of, of, of the Festival of Lights, of Hanukkah. It's a, and, and, and the two events: lighting of the, can, the lighting of the candelabras, John 8:12, I am the light of the world. The great pouring out of water, John 7:37, come unto me and drink. Now, he says, I am the light of the world. So the question is, what did he mean by that? What does he mean by the light of the world? What does the light of the world do? Well, when he said now uh, teachers, teachers would typically say something like this Come to my teaching, I'll give you light. My teaching will enlighten you. And with these statements, teachers are saying that they have light. They have light to give. But what's interesting is that the Lord just Jesus did not say, I have light. He said, He said, he, he said, I am light. And when he said that, he's saying that 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 Light comes from within him. It, it, it's not something that's outside of him, it's something that's within him. His teaching, his teaching is himself. Is himself. And, and, and when he said that, that he's the light of the world. Again, it's a throwback to what the candelabras were commemorating, which was the great pillar of fire in the wilderness. That was a great pillar of fire that that led them. And and, and, it, and it was light for them. And just think about how dark the desert is. Dark tonight, the moon's not so shining so bright. It's dark tonight, just think about a desert. And you're standing there in the blackness of the night and you're and you, and you you're saying, wow, all this darkness. And then all of a sudden this pillar comes out of fire and, and, and it's like the pillar is saying, no, your darkness, you must retreat. You will not be allowed to happen here. That was the pillar of light. So in the, the, it was like there was a fight. It was like there was a fight. It was a like conflict between the darkness in the desert and the pillar of fire. And where the pillar of fire was it, was, it won. It won the fight, and the darkness had to retreat. You know, for some people, they looked at the pillar of fire out there in the wilderness, and they said, the darkness of this desert is, 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 is like... A a darkness that I feel inside of me, just like with the water. And I wish there was a pillar of fire inside of me to lead me out of my own personal darkness. The darkness inside of me is greater than the darkness out here in the desert. And those people were looking for something more than just a literal pillar of fire and something that would just lead them to the wilderness. They were looking for, uh, 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 there were were the few within the group that were looking for personal uh, uh, solutions. To the darkness within. And those are the people that the Lord was calling out to in John 7, 37, when he said, if any man, if any man among you, first let him come unto me. Is anyone here, it's like in essence he was saying, is anyone out here that has a personal thirst in their soul, come to me, be satisfied. And, and, and then when he says, uh, when he says, I am the light of the world, and he that he that followeth me, he that followeth me, not they that follow me, but he that followeth me. It's like he's speaking one by one to people. And he's saying, Does any of you out there feel a personal personal darkness in your soul? Follow me. And and, and, and stop walking in darkness, have the light of life. And that's like people today. People today who are conscious of their own sin. They feel this deep need within from their guilt, from their shame that's that's, that's, that's tormenting them. Then then resonates, but but for the most part in Israel, they looked at the fire, the pillar of fire, and they said, I'm not looking for anything more in life. I just need to get through this immediate problem of getting through the darkness of this desert. That's all. I'm not looking for any deep personal pillar of fire in my life. For me, the pillar of fire that's in the desert, the physical one, it's enough for me. And those are like most people today. And most people today they feel, feel relatively satisfied with their lives. They don't feel they're sinners. They, 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 they've long ago silenced uh, a, a, a this annoying voice within of the conscience that's made them feel ashamed and guilty and dirty. They sear that one off as a disturbing conscience, and, and, and they're quite happy in life. And they are described by what the Lord said to the Laodiceans in Revelation 3.17. Revelation 3.17, the Lord spoke to the Laodiceans who had just that attitude, and they and the Lord said to them, Because thou sayest, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, I'm a Beverly Hills doctor. Well, that's not in there. Anyway, <laughs> and I have need of nothing. And knowest not that and knowest not that thou art wretched and poor and miserable and blind and naked. And most people are in that state today. They don't see themselves as needing anything more in life than just the solutions to the immediate problems of life, which which could be basically most of which could be solved with just a little more money. Thank you very much. But apart from that, they're basically content. They're not looking for anything more. They're not looking for this soul quenching uh, to thirst, a, soul, a, thirst a, a deep thirst from the Lord. They're not looking for a pillar fire inside. And so, uh, uh, but here the Lord is. He's in Jerusalem when he says these words. It's the capital of the Jewish people, Jerusalem. It's interesting. Just recently, the Israeli Knesset had this landmark vote where they voted that, this, that the state of Israel is the homeland for the Jewish people. I knew that, but it wasn't official. So here's the Lord Jesus in Jerusalem. He's in the, the homeland for the Jewish people. He's in the capital of the Jewish people. And there weren't really very many people from other countries there other uh, than, uh, you know, it's just there were Jews. It was not, Jerusalem was not the capital of the world, it was the capital of the Jewish people. And so there the Lord Jesus is in, the, in, in, a, in a Jewish feast, the festival of life, it's not a festival celebrated by other peoples in the world, it was a Jewish festival. And, and there the Lord Jesus is among Jewish people, not very many people from other places, just Jewish people. And there the Lord Jesus is in the capital of the Jews, and he's in the capital of the Jews, celebrating a Jewish holiday among Jews. And with all that, the world seems pretty far away, the non-Jewish world. But for all these reasons, you would expect that when he said in John 8 12, he would say, I am the light of Jews. He would say, I am the light of the Jewish people. But he doesn't say that. He says, in the midst of all of these Jewish people and so forth, he 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 and it, that he is the light of the world. You know, who's thinking about the world in that kind of setting? Who cares about the world at that time? But he brings up the world, and he's saying that he's the light of the world. And for, for the Jewish people that heard him, it seems so strange. The question is, why? Why did he bring up the world when he said, I'm the light of the world? And the answer to this question Why he brought, why he said, I'm the light of the world, and he didn't say, I'm the light of the Jews, I'm the light of the Jewish people. The answer to that question all is tied up in how God sees this planet, how God sees the world. When God looks at the world, he sees basically two groups of people. One group he calls the nation, his people, Israel, that's the Jewish people. The other group, God lumps them all together and he calls them the nations. The koyim. it's not a derogatory term. It means nations or Gentiles, as we say. And that makes it important when the Lord Jesus said that he's the light of the world, not just the light of Israel. And, and, and that's not to say that the light, that, that, that the Lord is not the light of Israel. He is. He is the light of Israel. He's the light of Israel. When he, and and when, he, when, he, when, he, when he speaks about it in Zechariah 2.5, Zechariah 2.5, when he says, For I, saith the Lord, will be... Unto her a wall of fire round about, and will be the glory in the midst of her. That's Israel. Glory in the midst of Israel means the light of Israel. But when he says he's the light of the world, he's showing something more. He's, he's saying this the, for there, there's prophecies behind this. The prophecies, for example, in, 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 in Isaiah 42.6. Isaiah 42.6, where it says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, will hold thy hand, keep thee. Give thee for a covenant of the people, that's the Jewish people, and the light of the Gentiles. The light of the Gentiles. Isaiah, that's Isaiah 42, 6. Isaiah 49, 6. Isaiah 49, 6 says, and he said, It's a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light of the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So when he says that he's the light of the world, he's saying that he is the light of both Israel and the nations, which is which which is what was all tied up in what was said about him in Luke 232, Luke 232, where he was called a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. So here he is. He's a light giving illumination to the Gentiles. He's a light giving illumination to Israel. And 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 now now we think about this light and he calls himself the light which by the way is another wonderful name for the lord you want to pray tonight pray to the lord jesus the light the light of the world that's what he is now he 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 says i am the light and 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 now we ask the question we want to understand this what does the light do how what do you mean he's the light well, it's really important in order to see and understand what he means by, I am the light of the world, to see the context before what he said, what, 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 rather the history that was recorded just before he said that, which is in John 8.3. It starts in John 8.3. It goes all the way, and it finishes up with this verse, John 8.12. So John 8.3 goes like this. The scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had said her in the midst they said unto him, "Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act." Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, they might have to accuse him. Now, and with his finger wrote in the ground, as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, "He that is without sin, among you." Let him cast a stone at her. Let him first cast a stone at her. And again, he stooped down wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted of their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest and even to the last. Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst, and when Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So what was going on here was that there was was this group of the scribes and the Pharisees. They caught a married woman in the very act of adultery and as they did, they thought to themselves, this is great. This is just the opportunity that we were looking for to trap Jesus into either not being merciful like he says he is and saying she should be stoned or not following the law of Moses by, by saying the woman should be, should not be stoned. This is the perfect trap. That's what they thought. And then what happened is they, they brought this question this, this to the Lord and the Lord turned the light on them on the accusers and said that you should all now look carefully in your hearts, each one of you. And the first one who sees that he's never sinned, step right up and throw the first stone. And and the result on the accusers was it was in verse nine in John eight and nine. They which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the, at, at, at the eldest <clears throat> until the last, and and Jesus was left alone, in the woman standing. So the effect that the light of the world had on those proud accusing scribes and Pharisees was that they were convicted by their own conscience and they abandoned their condemn- condemnation of the woman so what is the light of the world what did the light of the world do just then the light of the world humbled the proud and 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 the light of the world made personal sin an issue an issue because the light of the world caused the uh, led the the, the 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 proud to abandon their sin of condemnation. That's what the light of the world did. Humbles the proud. And so now we have left here the adulterous woman. And she's standing in front of the Lord. And now the light of the world turns to this the sinful woman, and and he says to her, Woman, you know, where are your accusers? There's no one here to condemn you. She says, No man, Lord. And he says, Well, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. And so when the woman responds. To the Lord. His question, nobody here to condemn you, no. She just, uh, she doesn't, well, first of all, when everybody, all the men ran out, she didn't run off also. She stayed there. She could have said, I'm getting out of here too. She stayed there. And when he, when he asked, is nobody here to condemn you? He, she didn't say, well, no. She said, no, man," And she called him Lord. So the light of the world led this sinful woman to understand that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Lord. And there was also another effect that the light of the world had on this sinful woman because he, he led her, as the light of the world, go and sin no more. So the light of the world made this woman think of her sin, just like the light of the world made the proud think of their sin. And the light of the world led this woman to stop the sin of adultery, led her to that. So, so right after this episode, Where where it caused the proud, the scribes and the Pharisees to see how dirty, how rotten their personal sin was. And it leads them to abandon the sin of proud condemnation. And the light of the world causes this adulterous woman to see how dirty, how sinful, how rotten her personal sin was. And it leads her to believe that Jesus is God. And, and, And her to abandon her sin, leads her to abandon her sin of adultery. And right after that, right after this happens, then the Lord says, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. What darkness? The darkness of pride and condemnation and the darkness of sexual immorality. If you follow me, you're gonna say, me and sin are done. We part ways. That's what he's saying. So this is what the light of the world does, and that's why he's the light of the world, and, 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 and the darkness of men, the darkness that these men had fallen into, the darkness of pride, the darkness of not being able to see their prides, of being like the Laodiceans, what? There's nothing wrong with me. The darkness that this woman had fallen into, this darkness of sexual immorality, the light of the world led each of them to abandon it, to abandon the darkness. That's what the light of the world does. It reveals personal sin and it leads to abandoning that personal sin. And that's what the Lord Jesus do, did, does as the light of the world. And, uh, you know, recently I was with a lost person, and, 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 um, and the lost person said to me, How can you be sure that you, uh, about what you believe that God is the right way? How do you know that the natives in Africa are not right? By the way, people like to talk about the natives in Africa. I'd like to meet them, but, but they know they exist. They're absolutely sure of that, and, and they're sure they're happy. Wherever they are, they're happy, and they're natives in Africa that don't believe in God. That's what they say. So they say, how do you know that you're right and those natives, those, those, those unknown natives in Africa, that they're not right? And the answer is the light.